Open your Bibles this evening to Proverbs chapter 3. Roger L. Easton of the Naval Research Laboratory, Ivan Getting of the Aerospace Corporation, and Bradford Parkinson of the Applied Physics Laboratory are credited with inventing the global positioning system known as GPS, GPS, in the late 1960s, actually. The GPS originally was Navistar and is a satellite-based radio navigation system owned by the United States government and is operated by the United States Space Force. It is one of the global navigational satellite systems that provides geolocation and time information to this GPS receiver anywhere on or near the earth. Now, I, I didn't, I thought you had to be on the earth, but then really they invented this thing for, to, to be, get things that are outside the earth. But anyway, it, as long as you're, you have a direct line of sight, unobstructed sight with at least four or more of these GPS satellites. Now, originally there was 24 satellites uh, that were used by the military. It, it became operational in 1995 uh, and they were used um, by the Defense Department and then was opened up to civilians sometime in the 80s. But today it's incorporated into almost every household in the United States. Isn't that amazing? Almost every household either has a car that's got a GPS in it or a phone. I was going to look up how many people in the United States that have cell phones but I, I think I would probably get too depressed with that. But anyway, it, it can track you. It can find you. It can tell you where you are at any given time. It can actually used by law enforcement to see where you've been. So be careful where you've been. It, it can plan your path for, for long vacations or just to get you across town. Now communicating with all of these satellites, it can help you stay on track. It, it, it can actually keep you on a straight path and even correct and reroute you when you get off course. It's amazing. This Siri thing's always yelling at me when I use it. Turn around, turn around. But there is a much higher, there is a much higher intelligent power that man can access that will not only give direction through the circumstances of our life, but redirect and correct you when you stay off course. It will reroute you. This power will help you determine where you want to go even. Where you want to go even, it will help you and give you guidance in the pitfalls and even the potholes along the way. This power is none other than the creator of the universe. And all it contains, God himself. We need no devices to access him, day or night. He is never out or in our blind spot. He will always be accessible to us. We don't, we don't need devices. We don't need to even have to explain our situation as he has access to every thought that goes through your mind. 
every emotion that goes through your heart. God knows those things. We need only to trust in him as he is God. Trust that brings salvation. Trust that sustains us every day of our lives. Trust that is trust beyond the reasoning of the world. This is a trust that we can always rely on. This is a trust in God for the straight path. This is the trust that we want to talk about tonight. What is it that brings good life? What is it that brings a joyful life? What is it that brings a steady life? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it success? You know, we've begun to look here, and Solomon in verses 1 through 4 teaches that it all begins foremost with the sound teaching of the Lord. That's where really true life begins. That's where success really begins. He he has said here, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So that's what he had taught us as we looked at those things last week. Taking directions for life from from the one who actually gives you life. Who, Who sees down the road of your life. Who knows exactly where you are at all times. Psalms 119 says he knows when you rise up. He knows when you lie down. He knows when you stand up. He knows when you even fall down. All of these things he knows. God's word is actually the depiction of who God is and what he desires for his life. But it's, it's just not enough to just commend the scripture to our mind. We've talked about that last week. We must apply it to our lives. It does no good to be able to, to, to spew out the verses of the Bible if we're not living these things out in our life. It must be applied to the heart, applied to the life, if it is going to actually direct our path. For to be a guide to the soul, we must trust the author in his direction. Do you trust the Lord this evening? We, we must set aside our own ways at times in our own wisdom, our own compass for life, and bring them under the authority and the direction and the guidance of our Creator. We have to apply God's wisdom to all of our ways, and only then will we have a life that's unwavering and straight. This all renders down to trusting God for the straight path of life. You know, as a lost person, we, we come to the end of ourselves in our own means to, to be right before God when we repent and place our faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is salvation. We, 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 We come to him. We must and do trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for salvation. We trust in who he is, God himself, and that he is our Lord and Savior. That is what we do in salvation. That is what faith is about. It's trusting in God. This is the ultimate trust, putting all of our faith in Christ. 
But now as Christians, our hearts have been set free from the slavery of sin, but we continue to struggle because of our flesh. It's still unredeemed. Our flesh is not redeemed. Even though our heart is, our flesh still desires its own way. It desires its own wisdom. And so there's this this battle back and forth in in, in our hearts at times. Solomon has already given the key to amassing the, the, the wisdom to walk through this Christian life. He says, don't forget the Father's teaching and keep the commands that His Word has given you. That's just a simple, straightforward thing. Do this. There is promise for reward. There's, he talks about extended life and, and blessings for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. This simple thing, just don't forget what the Father has said. There is promise that both God and man will have a high guard for you when all of these things are applied to your life. So tonight, now Solomon repeats somewhat of basically the same directed but stated just a little bit more personal and it's a little bit more intimate than he he has before so he now gives wisdom about how you're to make those decisions how you will determine what way to go who do you go to for help who do you go to who do you consult when problems arise in your life or even to make simple decisions of life? Do you consult anybody? Who do you go to? So basically Solomon is saying here is that there's only one way to guarantee that you're going to go in the correct direction and stay on the right path and that is trusting God to keep your path straight. That's it. There is no wise man among us. Iron sharpens iron, so is one man to another, and that is the way that God will use. But it is God that has the ultimate wisdom, and we must seek him. There are characteristics of this trust that we want to talk about this evening that Solomon gives in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. There's four characteristics we'll look at tonight of trusting God that will keep you on God's straight path. We want to look at that it's an entire trust. Number two, that it's an exclusive trust. Three, that it's an endorsing trust. And last, it's an evident trust. So verse five, let's read that. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, verse six, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So let's look at trusting him entirely. It says trusting him with all your heart. That word trust means to have confidence in, to be secure in, to feel safe in this this person or this situation. And so Thomas says trust in the Lord. This is where the rubber hits the road for a Christian. Will you trust the Lord? And the battle that goes on in our mind is that battle of will you trust the Lord? We know what God's word says. And then there's a but. And so once again, it's got to be an entire trust. Do you trust the Lord? Commentator Charles Bridges says this is the 
polar star of a child of God. Trusting in the Lord for salvation is the first step of faith. This is so far, so far off our human nature, man's will, that God himself must give you this ability to believe this. Ephesians 2 says that it is a gift to God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. He gives us faith to believe the gospel of the Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 says that all we like sheep have gone astray. And which way did we go? Isaiah says everybody goes after their own way. Everyone here tonight has an opinion. They have an opinion. You have an opinion about decorations. You have an opinion about flowers. You, you have an opinion about politics. You have an opinion about football. You have an opinion about God. There is a reality. We each go our own way at times. But it goes on and says, And the Lord in his love and grace has caused the iniquity of us all to be laid on him, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that really saved us. You trusted in that. But now the rubber hits the road. Will you trust him today in whatever situation there is going on in your life even now? This very moment, this very moment, salvation is all of God. What will you do with that today? Will you trust him today? What, what about afterwards? How do we live out our salvation? How do we live out this trust? How do we, how is it evident in our life? How do we even know we are truly saved? We must trust in the Lord daily. It's a trust that must be applied daily. Trust that Solomon discusses here is confidence in the one who you have made master and king of your life. You, you remember at salvation, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord is who he is. We, we've talked about that the other evening. You did not make him Lord. You didn't make him Lord. He is Lord. You just believed into everything that he has done for you as a believer. Confidence to actually trust him for the ways and days of your life now is the question. It is not just a thought in the mind. Trust is not just something in our mind, but it is a power from the heart to live life accordingly that God has prescribed. That's the trust that we're talking about. Trust that he knows what is best for you, that, that he desires always what is best for you. How many times in your life have you, you, you've gone, you've got situations in your life and you neglect to go before God because why? You know why? Because you're just afraid what God is going to show you. You're afraid of what God is going to show you. We're afraid to pray, God, whatever it takes for this situation here because you know Why? We're just a little afraid of what that means. We're just a little afraid about that. This trust is that God is sovereign. This is a trust that God is over everything in your life. Well, if God is over everything in my life, how do we explain that thing? Whatever that thing is. I mean, we just prayed for, about some difficult things that's going on in people's lives. How do you explain that? But this is trust that 
that he, he made promises that, that he will keep for his children. Do you believe the promises that's in God's word? Do you believe them every day of your life? It is a trust that by his grace, he will give you all that's necessary for your life. It is a trust in him entirely. Entirely. I'm going to put all my trust in him. It's, it's an entire trust. Trust of a child that, that his loving father will do what is right and what is good always. You know, there's a point in our children's life that come up and I don't know what age it is when they start really kind of questioning things, but you know, in those early years, they trust everything. They trust everything. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's unfortunate at times because parents can be pretty evil at times, but they trust you emphatically. Okay, and so that's the trust that we must have. A trust as a child. That, that whatever the parent's doing is going to be good. We must trust God to know that whatever he does, it's going to be good. Now, it not, may not be like I have planned it. It may not be like you have planned it, but it's always going to be it. This is entirely, trusting him entirely with all of your heart. It's unwavering. It's trust unlimited. Solomon said, trust him with all of your heart. All of it. That little compartment back here that's just not trustful of anybody. I, you know, I, you know I, I, I admit it and I, I repent it by it often. I, there's just parts of me that's just, I, I'm not a trusting person at times. I, I'm, I'm, God is working that through in my life. I think it has something to do with my occupation for 35 years. But there's a reality here that we must trust God. That what he is doing in this situation, he's got it. He's got it. You know, any wavering, truly, in this trust is an accusation. Do you understand? In the trustworthiness of God himself. When we don't trust God, when we are questioning what's going on here, then what we're doing, we're actually trusting, we're questioning the trustworthiness of God himself. I mean, do you want to do that? Creator? Sovereign God? I mean, there's a, we need to understand what we're doing here. When we're, we're being anxious in all of these different things. You know, the children of Israel did not trust him entirely. He had done this miraculous things. I mean, they had seen so many miracles. Wouldn't you think they could trust him? And he delivers them from Egypt. And where do we find them? They're out there. He's given them manna. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh only had those onions back in Egypt. Those leeks. Man, they were great. Isn't that amazing? You know, Psalm 78, it says this, in their hearts they put God to the test. I mean, you, they might not have thought that they were doing that, but they put God to the test by asking food according to their own desire. We, we're sick of this manna that falls from heaven every night, that's sufficient to keep us going. We want something just a little bit more tasty. A little bit more tasty. Have you ever had that in your life? God's given you everything, but there's just, just one little thing. You know, that ice cream cone thing. Man, I just want a lick of that. I just like to have a taste of that. Do you ever think there's a reason why God has not given you that? 
Do you think that is good? You know, really, discontentment is the beginning of sin most of the time. Discontentment. I'm not satisfied with what God has given me. To trust in the Lord is to be content in His ways, His wisdom, His faithfulness, and His love for you. That's what Solomon's talking about. We must be content in His ways. God is always providing what's best for His children. He's always doing that. God defines truth, and He cannot lie. He desires us to trust Him entirely, to take Him at His word. Do you believe His word? We, we sing about His word all the time. Do you really believe those things that we are singing? Are you really trusting Him? Trust and obey. We say this all the time. Trust and obey. There's no other way. Really? Is that true in your life? There's no other way? Are you that trusting? Although he proves himself daily for us, but even just giving us breath in the provision of his grace for sustaining our lives, we at times still question whether his truth is best for our own situation. I know that's okay for this one over here. But let me tell you, this situation I'm in is a little bit different. You know, even though he has saved you, you still waffle. This trust the world cannot know as their future is forever cast in fear. I mean, do you realize the, that's the problem with the, the world itself? It's the fear of death. It, it is. I mean, you can, you can cut it any way you want, but they're all afraid to die. They're all afraid to die. The God that they know is one of judgment and wrath, a God of fear and a God of grace, and then they fake out their minds. I am not, I'm, I can't believe there's a God because if there's a God, I've got a problem. So what do I do? I just, I deny there ain't no God. That's I, I, it's what they do. They do. It is easier for them to deny him than to live with the fear that one day they will stand before him. And that's a great fear in the world. So what trusting entirely looks like, what does it look like? When we're trusting him entirely, number one, we're going to him in prayer. We're going to be before him in prayer. His kingdom come, his will be done in this situation. Trusting that he hears your pleas, trusting that he will consider your desires and your needs, trusting that he has the power to overcome any situation in your life at that time. Do you trust him for that? Trusting that he does, what he does is always good. Psalms 37, 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. In other words, he will transcend everything going in your life. Do you believe that when you're praying to him? I mean, he will make it right. Number two is resting in his care. Well, we've taken it to him. Are we resting in his care? Put anxiety and anxiousness over the days of your life away. Scripture tells us that over and over. Put them in the hands of the Lord Jesus. You know, actually, your days are already in his hands. It's just you and me coming to grips with it. We're just coming to grips with it. I mean, that's really what it's about. You know, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to change his mind. Anxiousness is the absolute opposite of trust. Anxiousness is the opposite of trust. For all your worry, 
for all of your anxiousness. You cannot change one hair on your head. You can't change the thing. You can't even keep it there. We have to trust that God is always around us working. When we're resting in his care, we, you know, he doesn't sleep at night. You know, there's so many people get caught up in the Sabbath that God rested, you know, and they're like, well, it's all about rest. God was tired. You know, God never got tired. He spoke it into existence. But he is always around. He is always working. He is never leaving you. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Can you take it to him and rest? Or do we pick it up again? Number three, listen as he guides you in his way. Once again, as he shows you stuff, things in your life, as he brings scripture to mind or as you're reading, or as a brother or a sister would come to you and bring God's word to you. Are you listening as he guides you in the way? Psalm 37, again, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. And he will do it. Number four, leave the results to him. Leave the results to him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, but the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And that's what trust is about, is believing that. Seek his direction in his word. It's the the basis for all trust. Seek him in his word. Keep them. Incline your ear and hear the words, it says in, in Proverbs 22, and apply your mind to my knowledge, for it is to be pleasant if you will keep them within you, that they may be ready on your lips. Keep them. Keep them, he says. In other words, when there's something going on in your life and you don't know which way to go, as we said the other night, go to God's word. Is there a command to obey? Is there a principle to apply? Is there a model that you can follow in this situation? Because I'm flat guaranteeing you, everything according to life has been given to you and it's been given to you in this book. The answer to our situation and what's going on in our life is in this book. How far are we to trust him? Solomon says, with all of your heart. You're holding nothing back. You're holding nothing back. It's an entire trust. It's an unlimited trust. Trust that may not make sense in your own wisdom at times, but thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And next we see that it's an exclusive trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And look at this. And lean not, and not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord is exclusive. It's not 50-50. You know, I mean, I tried for 30 years to negotiate with God. God does not negotiate. He doesn't negotiate. We can't, this trust, it's exclusive. It cannot be shared with the confidence in your own flesh. You can't say, well, I'm really trusting in the Lord, but you know, I'm doing this. I'm hedging my bet over here. I mean, it's a hard thing for us to do. Once again, it, to, to, to lay it before him and put it down. 
But somehow, as people, as we walk away, you know, it's just, it's just that hand that won't allow it to lay there. We pick it back up. Because, I mean, I got to go back and think about this again. You know, I, Lord, I brought this to you, but it was probably premature. I, I really need to, to get this thing going in my own mind here, and then I'm going to bring it to you. Do you have those thoughts? Do you have those thoughts? You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You cannot trust in self and Christ. It is impossible to do. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. You're either going to be self-sufficient or Lord-dependent. Either one. You can't trust in God and be self-sufficient. Trusting in God is Lord-dependent. In Matthew 6, Jesus spoke. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, seek my ways. In whatever situation this is, seek my ways, seek my righteousness. Listen to me. And don't sweat the small stuff. I got it. So whatever is going on in your life, whether it's a financial situation, whether it's a relationship situation, whether it's a health situation, all of these different things, he says, seek me first. Unfortunately, he's down on the list for most of us. So many times, he's gone down third, fourth in there. We try so many other little things in there, and then all else fails. What do we do? Well, I guess I'll just go talk it over with the Lord. He says, seek me first. Can you trust that? Can you trust that? This was Jesus talking, the one who died for you. Can you trust that? You know, men desire something to lean on, to support themselves. We are are men of pride. And I say men, that's generically, that's women too. All right. I know men are definitely prideful. But it's not that women aren't. Anyway. I mean, natural man, okay? We naturally lean mostly on ourselves. Why? Because we're, we're the ones that we really trust. Our own notions, our own likes, our own dislikes. Like, okay, it's like you know, where you want to go for lunch. I don't know, you pick. Well, how about this place? No, I don't like that. I don't like that. What about this place? No, I don't like that. Why don't you just tell me where you want to go? I don't really care. Well, I don't like that one, that's for sure. I mean, there's a reality here. This is man. This is us. It's, it is man's own truth and understanding that brought down Adam. I mean, he had it going. He had it kicking, man. He had it going in the garden. He was communing with God, and it caused the fall of man. He had been instructed. He had been warned. He did not heed God's direction. He didn't heed God's direction. He went after his own desires, his own wisdom, and disregarded the ways of God. Pride is the ultimate sin in every, of every unhumbled heart. That's the real issue. To kill pride, we must humble ourselves truly before God. You know, that's really the significance of prayer. When we come to him in prayer, we are humbling ourselves before God saying, I can't do this on my own. I can't do it on my own. Take it. Take it. Pride is that ultimate sin, seeking one's own wisdom and, and, and our own understanding. 
Remember again what Isaiah said. All of us like sheep have gone astray. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? Going astray? Going your own way? Expecting that to work? How many times have you done that? How many times have I done that? Many inspect God's truth with their own scale and standard. Okay? This is what God's word says, but I'm not certain it's applicable in this situation. Ah, man, I I just don't know. I mean, and so so much that we've gotten so smart with Greek and everything now. We've got three different words, and I translate it this way, and most of the evangelical world translate it this way. But, man, we got this way over here. If we look at it like this, you know, it really doesn't say that. It's my wisdom. That's mine. God, you know, really, he's got this thing with me. I mean, he's given me special wisdom. It, you know, and, and we, so we inspect God's truth with our own scale, our own standard, and if it fails the test and it does not satisfy our heart and mind, then what do we do? We go our way. We go our way. It's a tie. So I'll, I'll, I'll do it what's right in my own eyes. And then we're led astray. We're led astray. We must trust in the Lord and do not lean on our own understanding. We must trust in his power. We must trust in his guidance. We must trust in the light that he gives us in his word to guide our path. This is what trust is about. We come to God in complete and exclusive trust, confessing, I cannot guide myself. I cannot even save myself my sin is, is so heavy. You know, there's times in our life when our sin is so heavy and we're trying to, to, to rid ourselves of the things. We're trying to so much to, to redirect these things on our own. But coming before God is trusting Him. My sin is so heavy. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Enable me to turn away from that sin. Call it sin. It's not an alternate way of your life. Call it sin. You know, as David said, search me. Search me. Know me. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. This is what we need to be praying before God if we trust him. When we start to waffle, we need to be before him. Coming completely honest and humble before him. Being honest with the Lord. He already knows. I mean, you, you can trick the people around you. You can lie to your spouse. You can lie to your boss at work and, or fake it. But you can't before God. So the reality, if you are his child, you come honestly. Own up to it. You know, one thing I taught my children when they were young. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Just if you've done it, confess it. I'm not saying there's not going to be consequences, but I can flat tell you one thing. You lie to me, it's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be a lot worse. They learned that lesson. They learned that lesson. Sometimes the hard way. But they learn a lesson. You know, we need to be honest before God. What is going on in your life? What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart? 
If you've got sin in your heart, if you've got sin in your mind, go to the Lord. Take it before Him. You know, it's the mark of maturity of a believer who humbles himself before the counsel of the Lord. 1 Peter 5 says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God's opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, that's the mark of a mature Christian when you understand that. But how often do you see this really happen? How often do you see that, that younger one in the faith coming to one that might be older in the faith and saying, I've got this sin problem. Help me deal with this. You know, many ask for wisdom to affirm what they've already decided. You know people like that? You're not like that, are you? You like that? Sometimes. Going to God's word to affirm your own decision. You know, you see this a lot of times. Truly, even, I think even preachers preaching topical messages, I got something I want to say to this crowd. So what I do, I I, I go back here and I look up something. All right. Um, Heat. Okay. You're you're worried about the heat? Well, I've got, there is, man, there is a bunch on heat. So I just wrapped that verse around what I want to talk about heat. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But there's a reality here. You do that in your life. We do that in our life at times. Finding some verse as an anchor even to hold on to the sin at times in our life. Confronted with true wisdom, then we choose unbelief in the truth. That's not trust. That's not exclusive trust. James warned. He said, prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not hearers only and delude yourself. Yikes. You know, when we we trust in our own understanding, though, it seems so good, doesn't it? It seems so good when we trust in our own understanding. We've got it all figured out. But you know what? We're not living in faith when we're doing that. We're not living in faith when we do that. And if when we will be defeated in the long run and led astray easily when we are using our own understanding using the ways of the world to fix the matters of your life. Once again, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Not just part of them, but all of his ways. God's word is where wisdom is found. It's it's in God's word. Proverbs 4, 5. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. We're talking about God bringing his word. We're talking about God giving you his word. We're talking about the Holy Spirit giving you the understanding of his word. And that's where the wisdom is coming from. Believers trust in the Lord and his wisdom. They mine for the truth in God's word. This is what we're doing here this evening. This is what we do on Sundays. This is what you do when we have Bible studies. When you're digging down in it, you're looking for the truth. And and, and truly, all of these ways, your faith is strengthened. Leaning on our own understanding and counsel is foolish in our trials of life. I mean, those trials of life, the Lord has allowed these things. And truly, you're not going to figure it out in your worldly mind. We needed to go to the Lord, and we needed to rely on Him. And, and so, once again, it's it's once we need to have an exclusive trust. 
that we trust him. We trust his word. We trust what he's saying to us. But then also we need to, to endorse him in all of it. We need to have an endorsing trust. In verse 6, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Endorse him. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to acknowledge him. This is God's word. It says in all of your ways, and that word there means journey, all of your course of life, all of your path. Acknowledge him. Discriminate, in other words. Which way does God want me to go here? What does he want me to do here? What does he want me to do? In all of your ways, all of your doings, not just the big things of life. Even in the smallest matters of life, we need his counsel. I mean, simple dependence upon him for the ordinary events of life. Go to him. Looking for a job? Go to him. Looking how to get along with family or some contrary friend? Go to him. Financial matters? Go to him. All these different things. Where do I fight the battle for my mind? Where do I fight that? Where did I fight that? In front of the TV? In somebody's latest book or novel? No. Simple dependence on Him. Simple dependence on Him. We must meet with the Lord. God loves to meet with His children. God desires to give you counsel. To hear your heart. To hear your conviction. To hear your repentance. Take all of your ways... All of your cares to him. Don't be bashful. Why would we do this? Why would you do that? Well, Peter says this, casting all your anxiety on him. They had the word anxiety even back then. And the people that Peter was talking this to, writing this to, in the world's term, there was a lot to be anxious about. But this is what he says, Take all of your anxiety, lay it all on him, cast it all on him, throw it all on him, and here's why. He cares for you. He cares for you. He wants to get involved. I, I, I mean, you know, there, there's reality. There's people around us, iron sharpers, iron, but not everyone wants to get involved in your life. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. How are you doing today? And they start telling you, and you think, oh my gosh, why did I ask that? That's not really good, but you know that goes on. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. He wants you to come. He wants you to confess. He wants to hear it. He wants to hear all those things. First Chronicles 28 says, If you seek him, he will let you find him. It, it, you know, it's not like he's off in the closet somewhere. It's not like he only has hours between 9.30 and 9.45. Okay, you can get in then, squeeze you in then. That's not what he's doing. He's available. He's available to you. Paul wrote in Philippians, Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your request be known to the Lord. With thanksgiving, coming before him, before you start bringing all of your needs, you might just sit there for a while and start thanking him. Just start thanking him. Look around you. Start thanking him. Thanking him that you can even do this. Thanking him that you can come before him. 
you know, you know, let your request be made known to God. Let me tell you, it's not that he's blind to it already. He already knows. But once again, you coming to him is a practice in faith. It's a practice in your trust in him. That's what you're doing. When you're laying it all before him, you're practicing even the small things of life. What do we want to do about such and such? These things are small things. You know, but I had my friends in town this past weekend. And, you know, my friend hadn't been here in 30-some years. He and I grew up together. And, you know, I lured him down here with some hopes of fishing. Now, if you've been fishing offshore lately, I'm going to tell you, it's been a little rough. And, and, and so my wife brought some of you in on it. I don't know. There's been a lot of people call her and say, how did it go and all this. And you know what y'all were doing? Praying about fishing. There's something about it, man. I just don't know if I can. I haven't done that as much as I should. But then you know what happened? It was fine. We caught some big stinking fish. Caught some big fish. I mean, they're giant. I got pictures. Was that a gift of God? I don't know. I don't know. You don't want to go out there right now. I mean, there's the reality here. The little things of life. I mean, the, the little things, you know. Fishing is not a big thing. It's not, it's not life or death. But taking those things to the Lord. And, you know, when you don't know what to do, James 1, 5, but if anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously. And this is the good part of that verse. Without reproach. See, it's not like your buddy. It's not like your friend who you ask this question and the first thing is that that's really stupid. Or, I can't believe you're even, you even asked that. Or, don't you know that? You should know that by now. I like the verse that we use out of context. You ought to be a teacher by now. That's not, God doesn't do that. You lack wisdom, you go to him. And he gives it generously without reproach. Without reproach. Make a habit to go to him first before everything else. Before everything else. Before your own wisdom, your own desires, your friends. You know, before, you know, you know looking for something that's most efficient, most convenient to you. And, you know, God's answer to your prayer may not be convenient. What am I going to do about this person? And then you, you start opening God's word and you start looking at these things and you're supposed to go to him and, you know, and, and your heart out to them. And you're like, well, no, that cannot be it. That, that, that's just not convenient for me to do that at this point. You have a little problem with somebody in your family. You know, you just don't know these people. No. Witnessing them, no. Well, what are you going to do? Wait and talk about it at their funeral? You know, in all your ways, he says, acknowledging him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. Let God be the Lord of your circumstances. Let God be the Lord of everything going on in your life. Let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Let it umpire your heart. Let the word dwell richly in you in relationships in family, and at work. It needs to, you need a trust that you can rely on. 
you know, his promises, you need to stand by them. You need to endorse them. You need to acknowledge him in these things. And lastly, it's an evident trust. How will you know that you are truly trusting him? How will you know if he heard you? Because he'll make it evident to you. He'll make it evident. Man, you ever pray for something and then, you know, sometimes you pray for something a long time ago and then all of a sudden it comes to pass and you, you think, oh my gosh, he heard me. That came to pass. I, you know, I, I've seen young people in this church, college people in this church, just, you know, be anxious. They get the urge to merge, you know. We got to get that thing going on, man. And you're know, just, it just, man, there ain't nobody around. I, I feel the urge to merge with, and all of these little things going on, and whatever. And you know, they come and talk to you. What are we gonna do? I'm gonna be twenty. Really? <laughs> and you tell them, seek you first the kingdom of God. Be on with the things of the Lord. And if it's His will. He'll provide. And you know, I have seen this happen. And you're at their wedding. And they look at you, and you look at them, and you just say, yeah. He heard you. He heard you. It becomes evident. It's an evident trust. And you know, when you put your trust in him, he will bring it to pass. You know, you stop directing your own life. You're trusting in the Lord. He will make your path straight. God is faithful to his children. Isaiah 45, again, I have aroused him in righteousness, and I'm going to make all of his ways smooth. Psalms 119, verse 3 says, he scrutinizes your path. You can trust a God like that. You can trust that. It will be evident to you and those around you when you are trusting in the Lord, when you're trusting in Him. And, and so how will He guide you? I mean, we've kind of go there, but just let me quickly go through it. He will guide you when you study His Word. He will guide you when you seek guidance from Him through prayer. He's going to use those things. He's going to guide you when you listen slowly to the truth that he is speaking to you. Maybe he speaks through a sermon. Maybe he speaks through another brother or sister in Christ. He will guide you when you ruminate, you meditate, you ponder what he has told you in relation to your needs for the day. And then you move forward in faith in this pliable spirit to to follow as the Lord has directed you. It's like, I don't know how that's going to take place. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. Jeremiah 10 says, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Let me tell you, God's working in his people. God's working in his people. Proverbs 16, the the plans of the heart belongs to man, but the answer... Well, the tongue is from the Lord. Man plans his ways. He plans his ways, but what? God directs his path. I mean, really, trusting in the Lord doesn't mean we're just sitting there like a knot on a pickle doing nothing. I mean, get beyond with the things of the Lord. We're moving on with the things of the Lord. 
We're, 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 we're taking what God gives to us. We're taking his word. We're taking all the discernment and wisdom he gives us. And truly, we're moving out on that, trusting that God will direct his path if he never get up off the pew of the church. You are never going to be in his ministry. Do you understand that? You've got to get up. We've got to get up. We've got to get going. Trusting the Lord doesn't mean we're just sit there and doing up. When we trust in the Lord, he will direct your plans in the straight path. When you're trusting, his guidance may, may be to strengthen your faith to him. He, he may lead you in a path that you do not know. He may lead you places you don't know. Isaiah, once again, what a brilliant prophet, man of God. I will, he says, I will lead the blind. God says to him, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them. So what he's saying to you is, don't be afraid to step out on faith to where the things that you've never done before. Where whatever that is. You know, have you ever witnessed before? Have you ever done that? Well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong. Well, the gospel is the power to salvation. Stick with the gospel. Don't worry what you're saying. The gospel is the power to salvation. Be ready to give an account. All of these things. Step out. He may take you places. He may take you through difficult crevices in the rock. He may, may take you to the cave. Because you need to be there for a while. He may take you down low because, you know, pride has built you up and you need to be taken down a notch. I'll tell you, in my own life, multiple times in my life, I'll go through a situation, I'll say, I'll come to him and say, God has really humbled me there. He's humbled me there. Wow, he has humbled me there. And then later on, I'm in another situation, I'm like, God, you humbled me back there. But obviously... He needed, he thought I needed just a little bit more. Dark places, difficult times. You know, it may be confusing even as times that you, you're looking, you're walking this way, everybody else is walking this way. They're doing really good. Those lost people are really doing really well, and I'm sucking air over here. Well, that's where God wants you to be. They're dependent on their ways. That's all they got. You ever think about that? That's the best it gets for them. Man, you're making deposits in a bigger bank. Eternal glory. And we have to trust in the Lord and all that he does is, is better. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Don't, don't worry about that. I, I was talking to a young nephew of mine. I'm doing this Bible study with him, and it's a long story. I don't want to get into all of it, but he is, you know, he professes to know the Lord. I mean, I don't see any fruit in that. He's not involved with church, and he goes off on his thing about all these preachers. Now, I mean, once again, he's talking. He understands I'm a preacher. All these preachers that live the high life, they make all this money, they do this, they do that. All they want is this and all they want that. I'm like, what's that got to do with you? 
what's that got to do with you? I mean, hell's going to be crowded. It ain't going to make no difference. What has that got to do with you? It may be disappointed in in, in the way you see things, but I'm going to tell you, trust in the Lord. Beyond with the things of the Lord. But when we confess our inadequacies, we ask for guidance, we trust in His ways, we will not be disappointed. We won't be disappointed. You'll never be disappointed. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He will do it. You know, God is not slack in His promises. He's not slack in His promises. If we trust in Him entirely, if we trust Him exclusively, and if we acknowledge Him in all of our ways, He will make your path straight. Let's pray. Father, thank you, dear God, for such an encouragement. It is to know that you care for all, all our ways. That, Father, you have instructed us to acknowledge you in all of our ways. To commit all of our ways to you. Father, what a comfort it is to know that as your children come before you, dear God, that you hear them. And you care for them. And you answer their prayers. Father, help us today to trust in you. Father, whatever's going on in our life today, whatever is going on in those here tonight, dear God, that they will trust in you. That they will listen for your voice. They will search for your ways. And Father, they will commit their heart to it. And Father, we pray these things in the name of your blessed Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.